This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was Judge Sherry DeBoard preaching for me on the very first day of my vacation. I wanted to say thank you very much. I really, really love what she has to say about covenants. I hope you enjoy. God bless. Good morning, everyone. So, you know, um, I doubt if there's anybody in here that uh, doesn't know that I'm a lawyer. And really, uh, the perspective of my life comes from being a lawyer. Everything I think about and the way I analyze things comes from the standpoint of a lawyer, uh, poor Jay, he even says, would you just quit cross-examining me <laughs> when I start asking questions? And it's just part of it. And so um, when this um, idea came to me to talk about contracts and covenants, uh, it came from the perspective of a lawyer. Um, and so that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Before we begin, um, you know, when I was in law school, I had a professor, had a really nice, not so nice, uh, co-worker, and he'd walk in every day and he'd go, do you love the law today? Well, I'm going to ask you all, do you love the Lord today? Yes. I, do you love the Lord today? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> So, um, you know, I, I spent two semesters in uh, contracts, studying contracts and learning about contracts and all the different kinds and nuances and everything. And I still like contracts today. I'm a person that when you get the contract this long at the car dealership or the mortgage company, I read every bit of it. Uh, everybody else would just sign your name. I read so um, when I thought about this and I thought, well, you know, um, a covenant is a type of a contract. And that's what really got me started. There are five basic elements to a contract. There's an offer. There is acceptance. There's consideration, mutuality of obligation, and capacity or competency to enter into a contract. Now, offer for our purposes today is just somebody has a home for sale or they have something to sell, they're offering it. Uh, the person who's purchasing that item is um, the one that uh, makes the acceptance. The consideration is the value that's exchanged uh, for the contract. Um, Consideration can be monetary. It can be an exchange of um, work. It can be an exchange of ideas. Uh, so it doesn't always have to be money. The mutuality of obligation is what is put into a written contract that makes each party have certain obligations that are equal. Um, word of advice. Written contracts. Don't do oral contracts. If it's written, it spells everything out. Oral contracts can be misconstrued, even though they are enforceable. But when you get into a dispute, uh, you have a problem with who said what. Uh, so uh, 
anyway, if one party to the contract has all of the duties and the other one has all of the rights, that's not mutuality of the obligation. It gives one party um, a clear uh, advantage and one party a disadvantage. And sometimes the courts will say if, um, if it's not equal that the contract is not enforceable. Uh, competency and capacity, you have to be um, of sound mind. Uh, in other words, you have to know what you're doing. You have to be able to understand what is in the contract, uh, and also you have to um, have capacity to contract. In Oklahoma and in many states, um, a child under the age of 18 does not have capacity to contract. Uh, you have to be, they, they believe you're a child, and children cannot enter into contracts. Uh, it gets into more than that, but for you know, unless y'all want to stay here for supper, uh, I'm not going to go into it any further. <laughs> uh, you know, like I said, if you're going to do a contract uh, for services, make sure you do it in writing. It doesn't have to be formal. Uh, it should be done by a lawyer, but you don't have to do it by a lawyer. Just make sure that you have everything in the agreement that you want because courts can enforce an agreement. Um, there are two types of contracts. There's unilateral and there's bilateral. So unilateral is, let's say, um, I call on Larry Boyce and I say, Larry, I need for you to drive a car for me to California and I'll pay you $1,000 and you get in my car and you go. Well, that's... Um, considered a unilateral contract uh, because I've made an offer, you've accepted it, but you don't have any obligation back to me. Um, so that's just one uh, way you can, you can look at it. Most contracts are bilateral where both people have something that they're, they're giving, they're selling, they're trading uh, for each other, for other things. Um, and so, like I said, a um, covenant is a type of contract. Um, covenants are used in uh, civil contracts. Uh, we have uh, covenants and restrictions in homeowners associations. Those aren't the kind of covenants I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a biblical covenant, the covenant that God makes with us or the, the covenant that God uh, gives to us. And like a contract is unilateral and bilateral, covenants are conditional and unconditional. Um, and uh, God is the maker of all covenants. Um, and he's the one that chooses what is a conditional covenant and what is an unconditional there are seven major covenants in the Bible. Um, and you all know every one of these, but we're going to have a refresher, a mini refresher course today on them. The first one is the Edenic um, covenant. And that is found in Genesis 1, 27 through 30. And it's the covenant.
covenant that God made with Adam and Eve. And he created mankind. He blessed them. He told them to uh, procreate. Um, he gives them uh, dominion over the earth and all of the animals. Well, that is the um, that is a covenant. Now, what were Adam and Eve supposed to do to stay in covenant with God? Not eat the apple, right? And what did they do? Ate, ate the apple, and all of a sudden they were out of covenant with God. They broke promise they made with God and as a result of that they were banished from Eden um, the second one is the uh, I get this wrong every time I say it no 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 it's Noah's uh, covenant with God and you know God was unhappy with the people at the time and he called on Noah and his sons to build an ark and everyone thought they were crazy, but uh, Noah didn't. And he built the ark, and the animals went into the ark, and they lived. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and God blessed Noah and his family. And at the end of the rain, when the water started to recede, he made a covenant with Noah, and he said, that he would never use a flood to destroy the earth again. And how you could tell uh, that he that God and God never breaks a covenant. I mean, he never breaks a promise to us. But how the people could trust uh, and hope in this covenant was uh, when you saw the rainbow, you would have hope in this covenant. And even today, uh, we still are in covenant with God in that regard. Because one of the things about a covenant that distinguishes it from a contract is it is multi-generational. I mean, the contracts that we have uh, from Adam and Eve and from Noah and the other ones are all, uh, I mean, they've lasted for millennia. And so um, we still have them. And we still know when we, when we get rain and we have a rainbow, we still know that that's God's promise. And if you think there's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, I believe there is. And I believe it's called Jesus, but, you know, it's not a little leprechaun. Um, anyway, um, the, uh, the next one is the Abrahamic. Um, covenant and that's found in Genesis 12 um, and verse 1 through 3 said that God said to Abram go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham followed God's commands. And God tells Abraham, I will indeed bless you. And I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the seashore. Um, and we all know that story. 
But I have something I want to um, show you all. Jay bought me this charm bracelet, this Pandora bracelet, a long time ago. And he said, pick out a couple of charms. And so I did. And one of the ones I picked out was this uh, dark blue one. And I don't know if you all can see it or not, but it has little diamond-looking things in there. And it sparkles. Well, I think that represents the stars in the sky. And you, know, you all know I was in the Bahamas last week with my daughters and three of my granddaughters. And every time we travel somewhere, they always buy me a charm for my um, bracelet. Well, they presented me with this one right here, and it's round, and it's supposed to be the shape of the earth. And around here is gold, and that is sand, and then it has fish in the sea. And I was just so surprised and just kind of dumbfounded and they said mom do you not like that and i said oh no i love it what you all don't understand is i'm going to be talking about covenants uh in church this week and i said um if you remember god's covenant with abraham said that he would bless his family and i explained that this is the stars in the sky and uh that represent uh well, the stars in the sky, and this one represents the sands of the seashore. And it just about made me cry when I was telling them that. But um, it's a, to me, it's a good representation of uh, living the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. And the next one is the Mosaic covenant. Well, that's the covenant that God made with Moses and his people at Mount Sinai. Um, God had led them out of Egypt um, through the desert, saved them from the Egyptians. And when they were at Mount Sinai, God um, gave Moses the law. He gave him the Ten Commandments and, and other laws uh, and entered into a covenant with him regarding the laws. And this covenant is conditional and it's bilateral. And by that, God's blessing depended upon Israel's obedience. Um, the fifth one is uh, the land covenant. And if you remember, God promised uh, the Israelites that he would uh, lead them to the land of milk and honey, to the promised land. And that's what this is. Now, in uh, recent times, within the last 50 to 100 years, Theologians have used this and called it the Palestinian Covenant. Um, but I really like the land covenant because you get into some political issues and I don't want to go there. So it is similar to the Mosaic Covenant as well as, as, well as being uh, dissimilar. Does that sound confusing? Yeah. <laughs> so this concerns Israel's entry into the Promised Land. Um, this covenant is an example of unconditional and a unilateral agreement between God and Israel. Um, it focuses on what God promises to do for Israel regardless of their obedience. Uh, God promises to, to deliver them to the land that he had promised, which is in what is now called Palestine, which is why this is called the Palestine Covenant or the Palestinian Covenant. And it also contains the prophecy of the millennial kingdom. 
and that's found in Deuteronomy 29, 10 through 15. The sixth one is the Davidic, or the covenant with David. Um, God promises to establish his dynasty through the royal line of David, and that's a covenant that he made with David, that David would be king and all of his uh, descendants or through his descendants, there would be a royal king. And they would rule over Israel. Um, and actually, um, this can be considered um, a continuation of the Abrahamic uh, covenant as well. We also know that Jesus came through the, uh, the royal line of David, and everyone believed that Jesus would be the king and rule uh, Israel. Well, he was, but it was not in the way that the, the people thought it would be. Um, this covenant is considered to be conditional because Israel um, has been destroyed and no longer functions, but it's also unconditional in that God will not react, will not retract his promises to Israel, even though they have disobeyed him. And the seventh covenant is the New Covenant. Uh, and the New Covenant is the covenant of Jesus. God's promise, uh, even as far back as in Jeremiah, God speaks about the New Covenant that he will make with Israel and Judah in the future. And it's the only time in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testaments, that uh, the word words New Covenant are used. Um, in Hebrews 9.15, it says, For this reason he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. The new covenant is the promise that God makes with humanity that he will forgive sin and restore fellowship to those whose hearts are turned towards him. Jesus Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. He stands in between us and God, um, and it was his sacrifice uh, on the cross that mediated the covenant for us. The new, coven new covenant was originally given to Israel and includes promises of fruitfulness, blessing, and a peaceful existence in the promised land. God made a covenant with Israel to which Israel was disobedient. The new covenant extends the old covenants, but we no longer must put forth offerings. You know, in the Old Testament, whenever uh, they wanted to uh, be forgiven or to, uh, you know, have their transgressions um, forgiven, they would use a burnt offering. Or, or make some kind of offering. We don't have to do that anymore because Jesus is the one that was offered up for us. In Ephesians 12, 13 through 14, it tells us that after the resurrection of Christ that even the Gentiles were brought into the blessing of the new covenant. We're also told that we are not under the, the law but under grace, and that is in a 
explained in Romans 6, 14 through 15. Hebrews 7, 22 says the old covenant has been replaced by a better covenant. Under the new covenant, we have the opportunity to receive salvation as a free gift where our responsibility is to have faith in Christ. The one who fulfilled the law on our behalf um, rather than the law's sacrifices are through Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us. Now, after the first service, uh, Pam, which, uh, where did Pam go? I don't know, but I, I want to thank her. She stepped up and helped me out, and uh, I was supposed to do um, everything that Josh does in the entire first service, and Pam said, let me help you, and she did, and I want to thank her for that. But afterwards, um, she came up to me and she said, well, you know, you have a good sermon when people have questions. And so she gave me two questions to ask you all as I begin to close. What does, what do you think the new covenant means to you? And what is your responsibility in this contract? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.